2: Ladies and gentlemen, may I have your attention, please? You are listening to the Big Cruise Podcast.
3: Hello, and welcome to episode 143 of the Big Cruise Podcast. My name is Baz, I'm one of your hosts, and it's always a great pleasure to bring you yet another episode of All Things Cruise, and we're certainly getting things underway in just a second. Now, first of all, a couple of thank yous. Um, Thank you to a few people that have left some reviews on various podcast directories. Uh, The first one came in on episode 138, which was when Chris was on board P&O Australia. Um, And Jada wrote in to say, I loved Conrad's part. Could you maybe bring in another HQ or HQ Plus staff member on future episodes? Now, Conrad, of course, is part of the, uh, for want of a better word, the Kids Club team, uh, the children's entertainment team on board. um, And HQ and HQ Plus relates to the different age groups on board. So, uh, yeah, we do love bringing in the the Little Cruise podcast wherever we can. It was great to have Conrad there. And we will certainly try, um, when we're out and about on the next ship, to uh, to weave a little bit more of that content in. So, thank you. To Jada for that one, uh, Sashper left a review on episode 140. I love the Big Cruise podcast. I always learn so much about the historical aspects of cruising. Thank you Sashberg. Great to to hear from you and thank you for leaving that uh, review there. Now it really doesn't matter where you listen to the podcast whether it's, uh, you know, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify to name just a few there. Um wherever you leave that review it's greatly appreciated. It really does help people to find uh, find us. So thank you for that. Now in relation to that, we have had a couple of technical issues uh, that's go back about 8 episodes that uh, I only became aware about a couple of weeks ago. Um So certain podcasts weren't picking up uh, the the latest feeds or the latest episodes from about 132, 133. um, We have spent quite a bit of time this past week to 10 days trying to get that sorted. Uh, It looks like we have found uh, the little glitch in the system and uh, everything should be flowing through as normal now. So if you've you've been missing us for a couple of weeks, uh, truly sorry, I don't know what happened there. There was certainly a bit of a gremlin in the back end of the podcast hosting system and uh, it looks like we've certainly fixed it. So we're, we're hopefully back with you. And uh, if you do need to find any of the back episodes, you can always just head to the website, of course, the big Click on uh, all episodes and you'll find everything uh, right from 142 back to episode one. Now, uh, I probably spent uh, far too much time doing this little intro. So let's uh, get things moving. Let's get Chris on the line. and Let's start talking all things cruise. Enjoy the show. Once again, we welcome back our good friend, and maritime historian, Chris Frame. Hello, Chris.
1: Hello. Have you had a good week?
3: Yeah, very good week. It's been a, been, a, been very busy, very productive. i uh, heading uh, interstate next week for, for work, which is always good. A bit of networking. Uh, but no, life's
1: mm. I pretty good this week. That's good. Excellent.
3: Now, for you, uh, we've got a list of questions which we sent in last week, actually. Uh, Chris in the UK sent in, and uh, I'll give you a bit of time to research this one because I wasn't sure if you would be able to pull something from thin air. Obviously, we talk about the historical... um, Traditional shipping lines that, uh, uh, the bigger names, I guess, the the white stars, etc. Um, but Chris was asking, is there mm. any lesser known or smaller uh, shipping lines that we don't often hear about but have a an interesting uh, story or interesting fact around them? So, uh, yeah, what have you got for us, Chris?
1: Well, you know, that's one of the interesting things, and one of the reasons why this is a hard one to, to research is uh, it really depends on, um, who, you know, what you know about the shipping lines in your area. So we tend mm-hmm. to talk about ones that have had an impact in the cruising industry or in, um, in Australia because we're based here. Um, but if you're in different yeah. parts of the world, it, it may be that your go to shipping line is uh, Hamburg America or Norddeutsche Lloyd or, um, you know. Yeah. Uh, the Union Castle line, for example, which I thought was quite and you know, one of the things is that people don't really know much in general about the Orient line unless they are British or Australian because the Orient wow. line was uniquely between Britain and Australia. So um it I guess that's that's a sort of preface. But one of the ones that I thought was quite interesting is the Matson Line, which still exists to this day um as a freight company. So it, it started its um its heritage back in the 19th century, uh, carrying freight. But in the um, early 20th century, they actually acquired a um, sh- shipping company, the Oceanic um, Shipping Company, uh, not the same one that ran on the North Atlantic under White Star Line, a different, a different mm-hmm. one. that was mm-hmm. inter-trans-Pacific voyages. And this was a, an American-based… Um, Firm and they had uh, voyages that would go between America um, on the west coast there and out to the Pacific Islands and, um, and Hawaii and some of the um, American um, sort of uh, areas that are sort of associated with the United States, like American Samoa or, mm. um, um, or Hawaii, to, to do freight and passenger services. Um, now, during the aftermath of the Pearl Harbor bombing, so when America entered the war, Mm -hmm. a number Mm -hmm. of these ships that were running for the Matson line on their Trans-Pacific service were very hurriedly converted into um, troop carriers and they were used to take troops um, from mainland United States to Pearl Harbor to help Mm -hmm. um, shore up the the military resources there, Baz, Um, because of course after after the, um, the attack on Pearl Harbor, there was Um, obviously a need to to rebuild the Pearl Harbor fleet but you also had a lot of casualties so they had to bring people um service servicemen from uh mainland United States across so these uh, these ships did that now Mm -hmm. perhaps the most famous um of the ships that they had um they had the uh, the Matsonia the Lurline the Miraposa and the Monterey and if you're into ocean liners and if you're Based in the United States, um, you probably know these names, so forgive me if I'm telling you things you already know. But mm-hmm. for for people who live in other parts of the world, you may never have heard of of these ships. Um, and they were built to operate that Trans-Pacific um, service. They were ocean liners. Um, they were majority of which were constructed during the 1930s, these big ships for the for their Mats and Lions fleet. Mm-hmm. Um but they had these long and illustrious careers that transcended their original role, so not only were they used um if we if we were to take say for example um the the monterey as an example so she was launched in nineteen thirty one in october of nineteen thirty one um yep. and entered service in nineteen thirty two so well before world war two she was then um used uh, and interestingly enough, the the ship was designed by um, William Francis Gibbs, who was the same designer who designed the SS United States. So very very famous um, American ship designer. Um, they were then used, of course, as I mentioned before, throughout throughout the world, uh, the war rather. So Monterey was used in in a, a trooping capacity and to transport um, and to transport goods. She mm-hmm. then had this career um, with the Matson Line uh, operating. Voyages to Hawaii. She she sailed to um, Samoa, New Zealand, Australia, Fiji. So these were traditional line voyages. Um, and then yeah. after the war, um, the the ship um, sailed with um, uh, with the with its original owner again for a while, and was actually renamed um, Matsonia, and then again renamed Lurline. So she had a um, they used to reuse the names so that whilst there were different ships yeah, that yeah. were launched with these names, once they retired, they would quite often move the the names around um, of the ships. And she stayed in service um, until 1963, uh, as a, or until the 1960s rather, as a um, as an as an ocean liner doing the line voyages. Now, when she was laid up because there was. Um, obviously no need for ocean liners in the age of the jet doing those line voyages. She Mm -hmm. was then um, purchased by the Chandris line. And you'll remember this name, I'm sure, but she was rebuilt as the ocean liner slash cruise ship Britannus, And she sailed with um, Chandris all the way through um, until the 1990s. So she was a a very, um, very well-known popular popular ship. Um, In fact, um she actually ended up in service until the end of the 20th century. And it wasn't until um, 1999 that she was renamed um, for her scrapping. She was renamed Bel- Belleaufin and mm-hmm. um, sent off to be scrapped. But as she was on her way to the um, shipbreakers, she um, took on a list and they actually had to let her go and she sank to mm-hmm. kind of end her career. But it's just weird because – you think about these ships that were built in the 1930s from this line that outside of perhaps America yeah. and the Pacific people might not necessarily know about, which then went on to become one of the pioneering cruise ships for Chandras, yeah. which of course then became Celebrity. So Actually, yeah. you can find pictures of her as Britannis and she's got these the big Celebrity Xs on her funnels because, of course, that's the brand mark that was carried over from Chandras to Celebrity. And so yep. in some ways... All of the different ships and shipping lines—they kind of have these little interconnections that you find. Sort of a ship, a shipping company such as Celebrity, which is one we talk about a lot, had that heritage with um, you know with with Chandris, which then had a ship that was mm. very popular that had a, a previous life as an ocean liner with um, Matson, and it's just this kind of web of shipping companies and shipping um, entrepreneurs that sort of sh- changing. Uh, vessels changing hands, changing names. So I thought it was an interesting one to look at and um, perhaps perhaps something that many of our uh, um, Australian and British listeners might not have necessarily heard about.
3: Mm, good one. Did well there, Chris. Well done. Impressed me.
1: And look, I mean, it's one of those ones, I know Chris had said like any of the, the um, lesser known lines. I mean, there's all sorts of um, lesser known companies yeah. from um, but it depends on who you are, though, of course, because I know I'm going to say some of these names and the people were writing and say, look, of course, people know about this. But, you know, you've got um, SAF Marines, uh, passenger shipping uh, services that they had. You've got things like the Blue Funnel Line. You've got the Anchor Line, which was absorbed into Cunard. Um, there's, you know, mm. Orient Line, which I mentioned before. There's, there's, there's all sorts of um, shipping lines that were based out of China and in Hong Kong as well. So it's a rabbit hole that you could get really deeply stuck down if you, um, if you really want to do.
3: No, that was a good little segment there, Chris. Thank you for that. And thank you to Chris in the UK uh, for sending that one in.
1: Before we get onto cruise news, Barry, I have got a fact or fiction for you. Fact
0: or fiction.
3: Oh, no, I'm starting to dread this segment.
0: <laughs>
1: maybe <laughs> maybe we, should, um, we should find out from the listeners. Do we keep this going? or
3: <laughs> I just think you're going to catch me out massively one day on something that I really, really should know the answer to. But go on, hit me with it.
1: All right, so in the 19th century, a ship was raised in Sydney Harbour, which was considered to be the single largest engineering feat in the colonies at the time. Fact or fiction?
0: It
3: is fact, and do you know the only reason I know that? Why is that? Because you put a video out yesterday,
1: <laughs> you've been paying attention. That's a terrible fact or fiction. I should I, should, I shouldn't have done that. Well, it's nice if that you. If
3: I hadn't have watched your video, then I wouldn't have known anything about it.
1: Okay, there we go. Yes, you're right. I did put out a video about it yesterday, and I thought I thought you were so busy, you wouldn't have a chance to to have a look at it yet. So I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna get him because so many people have sent me comments on that video. That's like, I have no idea this happened. Is this for real? um (laughs) so you'll have to go and watch the video if you want to find out exactly what happened but basically it was a ship called the austral Mm -hmm. and it sank in sydney harbour perfectly serviceable ship nothing absolutely nothing wrong with the ship at all sank in sydney harbour and it was deemed possible to raise it cost about fifty thousand pounds back in 1883 to raise the ship and if um if i can tempt anyone to to do a bit more research into this and go and watch the video um i just wanted to read out this this remarkable quote from the sydney morning herald describing mm-hmm. the um the, the salvage operation um it's from it's from the 13th of march 1883 and uh, the, the the sydney morning herald epis- uh, paper rather that this um quote came from can be viewed on trove which is an amazing resource mm. um it's a part of the Australian National Archives, um, and anyway, the journalist describes this this effort of raising the austral as as follows: They say the magnitude of the work is so great, the price at stake so valuable, the danger of making a serious mistake so apparent, and the difficulty difficulties of accomplishing such an unprecedented task in a colonial seaport so numerous that those in authority. Resolve to hasten slowly, while displaying all possible expedition to make certain of every step and guard against every imaginable contingency of failure. I mean that is journalism. <laughs> <laughs> they don't write like that anymore.
3: No, they don't. Not not, uh, not certainly not uh, from the, the newspapers and the publications that I'm seeing online for sure. No,
1: go and look up Sydney Morning Herald now and see if you can find a quote like that. But. Um, <laughs> You know, this was before Australia became a, 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 a before federation. Before Australia was a um, a unified nation, and to raise a ship from the bottom of Sydney Harbour was a remarkable feat. So, if you want to yeah. find out why a perfectly reasonable, perfectly serviceable ship with nothing wrong with it sank in the middle of Sydney Harbour, um, it's on my YouTube channel. <laughs> well, well done! I'm glad you were watching. <laughs>
3: <laughs> no, I did see it last night. No, it was a good night. Very good. Ah, well done.
1: <laughs> okay, so I'm putting out a call to the listeners. My my fact or fictions are getting too easy, so you need to send me in some um some suggestions.
3: No, it's not easy. if Honestly, if I hadn't seen the video, I wouldn't have known. I would have to just take a stab in the dark. I, I genuinely didn't know that at all. So, it's, well, there you uh, go. Just just a, yeah, fluke there. Thank you. Well, it's nice Maybe. to
1: know that people are seeing it because. I feel like I've been screaming into the uh, into the ether. The algorithm's not being kind, so um, I'm glad it went across your desk. It did, it did,
3: and the link will be in the in the show notes once again.
1: Head over to Facebook now and hit the like button.
3: Okay, Chris, uh, let's head into the world of cruise news. First up, the the news closer to home here is that Costa Serena is restarting back up in Asia.
1: Yeah, so she's had a um, a voyage between Thailand, Cambodia, and Vietnam, and is currently, as we speak, um, on her way up to South Korea, and then heading over to Nagasaki in Japan.
3: Mm, yes, yeah, uh, interesting. That looks like a couple of operations have chartered various different departures. Um, and we're going to see a whole array of different itineraries uh, from July through to October, mm. uh, with uh, itineraries of four to seven days pretty much taking in the majority of East Asia.
1: Yeah. Um, of course Did you know, Costa- it's the first out- outbound cruise to resume in South Korea since these travel restrictions were lifted.
3: Ah, there you go. No, I didn't know that. So there you no. go. Yeah. And of course, Costa Serena was built by the good friends at Fincantieri. <laughs> back in 2007,
1: Chris. I know. It's weird, isn't it? Like, I remember... Um All the releases and information about this ship because she was one of their hundred and fourteen thousand ton you know vessels, which was considerable size back when she entered service, and it doesn't feel mm-hmm. like that long ago but but here we are and uh I think it's interesting to see how that platform, which was kind of a derivative of the carnival um cruise line's design, I think it all mm-hmm. started with carnival destiny, that sort of mm-hmm. sp- particular shape and uh and uh, and general layout, but how versatile it is that it can operate. You know, in the Caribbean, in Europe, and also do these sort of global voyages as well. It must be yeah. quite a um, quite a flexible uh, design.
3: Yeah, and of course, we often think of Costa as being Italian, which it is. It's an Italian flag cruise line mm. has majority of its fleet there, but it's actually been very, very popular in Asia for quite a few few years now. They had a couple of ships up there for quite some time, didn't they?
1: Yeah, yeah, no, they did. It was quite, um, and and not just in not just in Asia as well, but also in the Middle East. They had uh, um, ships that were operating out of Dubai before yeah. the. Uh, before the, the shutdown. So I think that that's the Italian style cruising It's probably a bit of an insight as to why Carnival's doing what it's doing with its sort of hybrid, yeah. um, which we'll talk about again a little bit later. But I think that that style of cruising is quite well received worldwide. Yeah, it is for sure.
3: Now let's stay with the Carnival Corporation, this time mm. with Holland America. They're talking up this week about their legendary voyages heading to uh, Australasia in 2425.
1: Yes, they are. And it's, Tough to choose, but there's a couple there that I think I might um, might want to want to go on. <laughs> it looks pretty cool. <laughs> Australian circumnavigation is particularly interesting because um, it calls in at most of the you know major Australian ports, but um, it also goes out uh, outside, just outside of the Great Barrier Reef to a, the more remote Ribbon Reef, and they mm-hmm. also take in some of the far north Australian areas as well. So that sounds really interesting.
3: Yeah, that one is, of course, uh, on board the the Westerdam, um, departing yeah. in, in November of 2024. Now, if you
1: if, had to uh, go on, I was, I was going to say, if you had to choose to go north up the top or south <laughs> down across the bight. I was just um, about to ask you the same thing. Oh, were you? Oh, well, <laughs> there you say, go. If you didn't have
3: 35 days up your sleeve, which one would you do? Oh, um, no. We, we are at
1: one with our thinking. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, I think I'd go probably across the top.
1: Yeah, I was going to say the same then, because. Uh, I've done the bike quite a few times, and it's quite fun, um, particularly if uh, if you don't mind a bit of movement on the ship. But uh, you know, there's uh, there's so many interesting places up up north of Australia, and uh, uh, it would be great to great to try that on Holland America for sure. Mm, absolutely, they're also heading over to New Zealand, and you know what I did notice is that uh, the the call in March of 2025 again on Westerdam it goes into Fiordland. National Park, and yep. I, I might be tempted instead of doing the Australian one to to look at that because um, I've two occasions I've had cruises with Fiordland as a port, and on both occasions the port was dropped. Um, oh. So I haven't actually got into Fiordland or Milford Sound yet, and it would be really nice to to actually achieve that.
3: <laughs> oh no, and I've been a couple of times. It's beautiful, and it's even, even more impressive um, just after it's rained as well. The waterfalls oh, really? are spectacular. Yeah. Oh no, cool. Highly recommend it. Um, so that was obviously Westerdam. We've also got the Connings Dam and the Zandam heading down. Mm. Zandam's doing a beautiful voyage, Chris. A uh, legendary Tales of the South Pacific. You can choose to do 51 or 56 days. Uh, the yeah. 56th day being Vancouver to San Diego, taking in, wow, some cracking places in uh, mm. 20 different ports of call from Hawaii to Samoa, Fiji. Uh, the Kukan Society Islands, Marquesa and Tahiti, et cetera, to name just a few. Yeah. And then there's obviously the repositions when the, the ship heads up and down from, from Alaska. So you've got Westerdam yeah. repositioning as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, Conning's Dam's doing um, a, a, a Tahiti and Hawaii 35-day um, trip. But one of the ones that did, again, back to Westerdam, is the South Pacific voyages, they're repositioning it. They're kind of billing them as crossings. And it's sort of where you get – Several days at sea between different locations, but going from and to a place, it mm. really does feel like you're on a journey doing that. Yep. And yep. this particular one, I mean, you're going to Hawaii, New Caledonia, and Fiji, which is just beautiful, and American Samoa as well. Um, and then again, similarly on the way, on the way um, uh, in 2025 as well, on, on Westerdam doing its uh, second repositioning. So um, those those trips where there's like a destination in mind. It really does feel like the atmosphere mm. on the ship changes a bit and it becomes more sort of, of, a, of a group kind of going somewhere together, which I think is re- yeah. really nice. It's one of the joys of being on, on ships.
3: Absolutely. And, of course, if you are venturing into that part of the world or out of that part of the world, I would highly recommend you add on a little uh, seven-night Alaska pre or post mm. so that you can uh, discover the beauty of Alaska before repositioning uh, down to
1: Australia or reverse, of yeah. course. And no one does Alaska like Holland America.
3: Mm, exactly, they have got all that history there. Yeah. Uh, do, did you actually? I should have used this as a did you know or fact or fiction. Mm. And I think we might have shared it before. Holland America has been cruising to Alaska longer than Alaska has been known as Alaska.
1: Really? So they were going there yeah. what, when it was still owned by Russia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow! No, I did not know that. You should I have fact or fiction
3: me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I dodged a bullet can. there. <laughs> <laughs> now uh, we're heading over to Europe next, Chris. Uh, this time talking Erosa, which of course are popular with the river cruisers mm. all over the different European rivers, of course. Um, they've, of course, got the family-friendly vessel Erosa Senna, mm. um, which cruises on the uh, the, the Rhine. And uh, she's popular with families because she's got dedicated kids facilities, which is uh, incredible. Yeah. Uh, yep. But they've uh, further improved upon their, their bike offering. They've now adding in e-bikes, including e-bikes for teens.
1: Yes, exactly. And, you know, it's now the 12th ship and the, the last ship in the fleet to, to get the e-bikes. Um, and one of the joys, I suppose, of, of river cruising, and you'd know this better than I do because of all your experience with it, Baz, but the ship being able to be right there in the heart of these cities, and you can leave the ship, take a bike, or in this case, an e-bike, go into, into town, into the city, explore at your own pace you don't have to be worrying about taxis or Ubers or buses or anything like that. And, um, and it's sort of that very different style of, of cruising a bit more leisurely and a bit more, maybe a bit more, um, uh, sort of do it at your own pace than some of these organized tours on the big ocean going cruise lines.
3: Mm, No. And, uh, Great. It's a great way to to see uh, Europe when uh, you you can either follow the riverboat down the river or you can get off and see some of the cities, of course. But uh, A-Rosa do actually take it one step further. They have uh, certain departures where they partner with a bike tour operator Mm -hmm. and they follow the river vessel with a trailer of bikes and uh, they organize various different levels of cycling tours each day in in the various towns and villages that you discover. So uh, lots of different ways to to make the most of your European river cruise uh, if you want to weave in a little bit of uh, bicycle riding too.
1: Exactly. There you go.
3: Now we're still in Europe Chris uh, but this time we're talking about Carnival Venezia. Uh, she of course has uh, left Europe. She departed Barcelona. She's currently undertaking a 2-week transatlantic crossing and heading to uh, New York
1: City. She is. Yes. And uh, this is uh, going to be introducing that Carnival fun Italian style to New Yorkers. Mm-hmm. Um the ship will be undertaking its uh, first cruise out of New York down um, to Bermuda, it'll be a four-day trip, um, departing in just a few days' time on the fifteenth of uh, June, twenty twenty-three. Um, but it has ten different cruise destinations and twenty-two different types of itineraries that they'll be offering <laughs> on that um, on on that service. You know, because Car- Carnival does have um, that sort of style of having set itineraries that you can kind of yeah. get that familiarity with. But they've got twenty-two different different ones for this particular ship out of um, out of the American market. So it's quite remarkable. Mm.
3: And uh, news broke overnight for us down here in Australia, Chris, that uh, they're breaking tradition with uh, Venetia. They're actually going to mm-hmm. be having a godfather rather than a godmother.
1: Yes, very carnival indeed, because not just breaking tradition, but bringing in a comedian in as well. Mm-hmm. The godfather is going to be Jay Leno Baz.
3: Yes, yeah, very interesting. Um, that should be good. And as you say, yeah. they, they do like to weave comedy into uh, all of their ships with the Comedy Club, which is very, very popular.
1: Yeah, for sure. And it's not unprecedented to have a, a male. I know it's, it's quite often, um, nearly always, you'll find it. it was, uh, they they select a female or a godmother for the for these ships. The the godmother thing is, um, it, it's not something that was widely done on all passenger shipping lines. And in fact, some lines had no christenings at all. Um, mm-hmm. Some had um, you know a person who who would christen the ship, but would never never have referred to it as. Um, as a godmother um the way that they they do these days and in fact the the madrina and sort of godmother tradition seems to be more closely connected with italian um yep. shipping heritage than it does with say british for example but mm-hmm. um there has been many and obviously these days like most of the ships are most of the ships are built in italy so it makes sense i suppose um <laughs> but there there's there's been many times in history um where where males or, or men have um, have actually christened ships, it's not anywhere near as regular as, as females. But um, e- even uh, even a v- traditional shipping line like uh, Cunard, for example, has had two two ships that were named by by men. We'll have to do that one as a as a history segment one day. But um, you know, the, some of the German shipping lines had the had the Kaiser um, named their ships. So. Um, but this is interesting because they've gone so far as to call it a godfather. It's in modern day, it's right there in New York. They're bringing the comedian in. Jay Leno, obviously, mm-hmm. is very well known. Carnival's known for its comedy. Um, yep. So it's, it's kind of interesting.
3: No, it is. It's good. Well done, Carnival. Um, and you uh, have just reminded me when you were doing that little talk there about uh, the. the traditions of a, a madrina or a godmother. I actually tried to convince a cruise line a number of years ago that uh, I should have been the godfather of their their next ship, but um it didn't really. Pledge. They wanted to, they wanted to go with the traditions and and stick with a female, which was fair enough, I understand.
1: <laughs> well, I must say if if it was if it was just sticking with traditions that stopped them from going with you, Baz. You got pretty close there by the sounds of things. <laughs> Maybe
3: they were just saying that. I don't Maybe know. That'd be nice.
1: <laughs> I, don't, I don't suppose you'd be brave enough to say the name of the shipping line, would you?
3: <laughs> no, not on air. I'll tell you afterwards in a minute.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, curious now. You're going to have all the listeners writing in their suggestions. <laughs> the Baz um, of the Seas. There you go.
3: We're going
1: to have to start a petition.org or something for this, I think. Oh, you reckon? <laughs> yeah, come on. The big cruise uh, we'll podcast ocean liner? That sounds fantastic.
3: <laughs> Bless. Um, now, that's all the official news that we have. There's a few other little news stories floating around, but um, mm. one of them I'm going to do a little bit of investigating because I I read it elsewhere and I can't find any facts that back it up, but there's rumors around a very popular Northern Europe uh, cruise line uh, mm-hmm. potentially heading to Australia. So I'll do Ooh. a little bit of digging around yeah. that one. Of course, Princess. We spoke about their new ship um, launching um, or na- naming. Yeah, the, the Star Princess. Ship.
1: Yeah, they've opened up for bookings now. So, twenty um, fourth of May, they opened up for their elite, um, elite uh, status members. But uh, um, the British Isles and Northern European voyages have been put on sale as well from from late um, from late May, and their Mediterranean program for the ship is also um, up for, for sale. So, it's um, you can now make a booking on a, on the new Princess ship, which is pretty cool. And I've been wondering. Actually, it was um, I was thinking about this just before, but you know, it's not too long now until Virgin's going to make its debut in Australia. They must be getting getting kind of ready on their side.
3: Yeah, they are. They uh, they'll be coming out uh, probably in the next uh, month or so with quite a major campaign all around Australia. So uh, people will start the excitement will start to build around Resilient Lady coming to Australia. So yeah, we're looking forward to that in early December.
1: There's been a lot of interest. Um, people asking also about some of these, some of these different cruise lines that are coming here. I know Virgin gets a lot of um, got a lot of queries. People are also fascinated in Australia um, about the idea of Disney um, cruises. It's become a hot topic mm. <laughs> um, because it's you know different cruise lines coming here for the first time. It definitely gets people's attention and allows for um, you know the the breadth of the cruise industry offering to be visible to to travellers in in our part of the world.
3: Yeah, it'll be very exciting when we see the the Disney uh, ship enter into Australia, Um, and a lot of people are very, very excited uh, about that. And um, there are still a few cabins around, actually, if people are still wanting to do so. It's not the the cheapest cruise experience, Mm. but, of course, you're paying for that Disney magic, so uh, certainly still an opportunity to do so if people are interested um, and I think the only other news that we haven't shared officially is there's a uh, competition being run with P&O around winning cruises around their 90th birthday. Um, all the details we yeah. have are on their website for that.
1: Yes, that's true. Um, a lot of a lot of the celebration for their 90 years of cruising in Australia. So they I believe it's um, they're giving away three night. Well, you can go into a competition to win a three night um, cruise. I think it's uh, 30 three night cruises that are up for grabs, and I'm pretty sure you have to enter. Mm. Into the competition on their website. I think it's pocruises.com.au slash competition to find out the details there.
3: Okay, awesome. Um, That's all we've got time for this week, Chris. Um, Of course, we're going to refer everybody back to your beautiful uh, new video about the the sinking and refloating in Sydney all those years ago. Um, Yeah. And, of course, you've got your back catalog there if people are interested in uh, discovering a little bit more.
1: Thank you, yeah. And, I mean, it's... For the listeners' benefit, it sounds like we're a very Carnival Corporation heavy um, uh, podcast (laughs) the last few weeks, but they seem to be the only ones sending out um, much information (laughs) at the moment about particularly this week.
3: it's uh, very light on uh, with uh, with um the royal caribbean group at the moment and uh, also norwegian cruise line holders, but also some of the independents that just doesn't seem to be an awful lot of news i'm wondering if they're all on holiday chris because it seems like everybody i know on the socials is in in europe or north america at the moment oh,
1: yeah i suppose now the world's open again everyone's having a a chance to go and travel and explore but um you know like there there's definitely something to be said about the fact that um if there's if there's no releases it's probably because people are out there on the cruise ships and going Mm. from port to port and enjoying the itineraries that have already been sold.
3: Anyhow, Chris, let's call it a day for this week. Um, I will chat with you same time next week and uh, look forward to doing
1: so. Yeah, looking forward to talking to you as well, Baz, and see you next week.
2: That's all for today. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Until next time, bon voyage.